Hi. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm great. How are you? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Grateful to have had some rain this week to get past the very humid weather we've had in the UK. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, don't get me wrong, I love the uh, the hot weather, but um, it's nice to feel like a human again, not some sort of jelly, blancmange, heated, steaming object. Um, yeah, so the rain's great. Well, there's a nice image. Um, so to try and get that image out of my head, um, have you got a bad film t- for us this week? Uh, <laughs> yes. yes, I do. Now, you know, I've been working very hard, OK, Gary, and I've created quite a, um, a list, a to-do list. Um, mm-hmm. Many, many films, OK? Now, don't you worry about it. We're going to get through these at some point. But uh, today... We are only going to watch one of these particular films, okay? Um, okay. So I could choose this for you, or you could choose uh, out of... Uh, I've got four potentials, or would you like me to just choose one for you, Gary? Oh, I'm getting the choice. I choose my own destruction. Yeah. Like the Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so you've got four, did you say? Yes. Okay. I choose... Number three. Are you are you excited? No. <laughs> it's probably a good idea. You have chosen Terror in Beverly Hills, starring Frank Stallone. Oh, well, there's a badge of quality. Yeah. What what year is this from? Nineteen eighty nine. I, I was I would say it's the worst part of the eighties for me. Yeah, what defines the worst part of the eighties? Do you well, think? Well, I mean, fashion, style, music, culture, everything. So this is um, this is t- the tail end of the decent part of that VHS sort of um, glut that they had in the eighties, <clears throat> and this is where the real dregs start coming and. Um, I'm assuming Terror in Beverly Hills is part of that illustrious group. Well, I think there's only one way to find out. Let's go and watch it, shall we? Absolutely. Strap yourself in. Now the woman, Aziza, who's part of our team, has secured a location outside of the city where you will hold the target hostage. He said he was a friend of yours. As long as he's alive, my life is always on the edge. If you were a friend of this Abdul guy, I'm retired. I'm a private citizen now. I just, uh... If you try any more rescue attempt, I throw out the window President daughter. Tell the president he has only a few more hours. That was an ordeal. You know, yeah, we've watched lots of bad films together. 
uh, most are quite funny and, and comical intentionally or not some have just got creaky bits around the edges that you can see what they were trying to do um, but this one committed the worst sin that a bad film can do and it was boring <laughs> yeah utterly yeah. utterly boring uh, uh, what I would really like to do is to offer a synopsis right now but I'm not entirely convinced I can. There was so little going on that I don't, I can't even summarize it. Um, but let me have a go. So, uh, a group of Israeli terrorists kidnap the president's daughter, the US president's daughter. Um, karate master Hack Stone and his friend are hired to get her back. Spoilers, they succeed. Israeli terrorists are killed. Yeah, well, one of them dies. Did I miss anything in that? No, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's pretty much all that happened. I'm not exaggerating, because they really enjoyed long shots of limos pulling out of driveways. Oh my god! I was dry, I was screaming inside. Uh, actually, Why don't we just cut well, to the destination? I don't want to see ten minutes of a car driving. Oh, oh god! Yeah, a little bit of me died inside. I think each time there was a car shot. Lots, <laughs> lots of procrastination. So much procrastination. Yeah, so last time we watched um, Birdemic, which was, I think, the worst film we'd, we'd ever seen. But um, one the most the technically incompetent, I think, is yeah. worth seeing. Yeah, but this film, uh, I think, is actually the worst film we've ever seen, just simply because it's just really bad. Yeah, because bad films tend to succeed by entertaining you in some sense by going, by yes. by going what? Yeah. Um but this was just dull. It was just dull. Yeah. I mean, we, we eked every minute of joy we could out of it, and we ended up <laughs> with it in seconds. Yeah, basically, Cameron Mitchell turns up about halfway through, and he pops up every, like, five, ten minutes with some bizarre monologue, and he is the only entertaining thing in this film. Um, well, for the uninitiated, do you want to explain who Cameron Mitchell is? Cameron Mitchell is a a hack fraud who <laughs> <laughs> let me paint a picture. He he looks like a baked potato in a wig. Um he <laughs> basically just turns up in all of these terrible, terrible films from the mid to late eighties. Um uh, I think he must have had some sort of decent career in his early life, but um He he, he had over three hundred acting credits. Well, there you go then. But um, I think the vast majority were in these terrible films. And by the end of his career, you could tell he turned up for one day, half drunk, uh, in one or two locations. And, and they just got him to blast through his lines. He got the paycheck and he was done. On to the next terrible film. But he manages to be rather entertaining in every one of these terrible films that he's in. Uh, he's yeah, I think, 
Yeah, you're totally right in that they clearly only had him for X time, paid him by the minute, perhaps, and he rocked up, did some scenes, then they cut away to someone else, they can cut all the way around him. Um, but you're quite right. Whenever he's on screen, he's at least completely exploding with rage as classic police chief. There was one bizarre, and just having a good time. It was one bizarre moment where he's talking to uh, an assembled TV crew giving a mm. statement. And I don't know if you noticed this. Uh, sort of halfway through, he's, he's, he's rattling off this statement, which is obviously written on a piece of paper that he's reading out because he can't remember his lines. Uh, and he gets distracted by an aeroplane which sort of passes overhead that we can't see. <laughs> and he mentions it and he says, God damn aeroplanes. And then, then he sort of goes back, he loses his train of thought and then goes back to reading his script. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did. Um, yeah. yeah, and they just left it in. They left it in. Just left it in. They left quite a lot in that they should have cut out. Yeah. I think about two hours worth. Yeah, the film's an hour and a half long, so they definitely should have cut two hours out of it. <laughs> Negative cutting. Um, yes, what Negative think, cutting. Instead of what... Um, there are two things I'd like to say right now. Um, firstly, these supposed terrorists are the most incompetent terrorists I have ever clapped my eyes on. Um, they assemble in a dimly lit boring room and have this um boring conversation at the beginning of the film shall we go and do this horrible thing that we're going to do yes let's do it and then they sort of they they storm into a shop in beverly hills shoot five or six people uh drag this girl out who's meant to be the president's daughter then they they drive straight to this bean factory as their hideaway and they leave the, the CCTV cameras on, which gets um, shown all across the US on TV. Uh, the police follow them about 10 minutes later. And for the rest of the two thirds of the film, they are surrounded by the police. I mean, it's a complete and utter cock up. Yeah, they weren't going to get anywhere with that, were they? Mm. Now, you, in doing that, you've bumped into a couple of interesting things that did happen. The newsroom. <laughs> oh, so, just, there is a there is a newsroom where they cut to just, and i'm, I'm uh, laughing because it's so bad but also i'm angry yeah because I, I i could have turned up and said no why don't you black out those holes in the back of the wall so your newscaster looks like he's doing the news they did none of the shots having ever seen the news before i don't think oh on tv God. it was like a dark room with like these windows behind the newsreader of people with headsets on. I mean, who are they? Are they meant to be the directors and the producers? Aren't they normally behind the camera instead of in front of it? Yeah, that was speaking. Important. Speaking of an air of inauth inauthenticity, let's talk about the president in the White House. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you're remembering these little scenes because they were for about three seconds quite amusing. So I'm not an American, and I don't believe you are either, Jay. But I have an idea what the White House looks like and what the presidential <laughs> office looks like. Yeah. And therefore, you know, it's not that difficult to reconstruct a it sort of like a presidential suite. Yeah, it was a broom cupboard. What they had spent money on 
was getting a decent copy of the presidential seal. However, oh. it was slightly too big for the room, so it was brushing the ceiling. <laughs> it was huge. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not sure I can get across just how inept that that reconstruction of the White <laughs> House was. Really, really bad. And, you know, as we know, the president on his desk has four phones and an eagle. Yes. Or was it a seagull? I think it was a seagull. Yes, he has four different phones, all different colours and different designs. But when he picks each one up, he says, hi, it's the president. (laughs) Oh, the president. Thanks for clearing that up. (laughs) Yeah, you threw to like, um, yeah, you threw to the the cleaning department of the White House. Oh, it's the president. Okay. (laughs) Um, what about yeah. the 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 um the police uh the woman on the headset who works in the police the dispatch you mean the dispatch officer yeah, whatever I mean that was also a travesty um yeah I mean apart from the fact she's given utter utter garbage dialogue to say it was the weird mashing of the keyboard she was doing <laughs> I know. it looked like she was like kneading some bread <laughs> yeah or it was like Rick Wakeman gearing up to a power cord. <laughs> but let's not forget, this film is 1989 when it was made. It was made in 1989. And it's not like you wouldn't know how to use a computer keyboard in 1989. You don't, and I'm going to say use. You know, just you know, tap the old key. But she was properly leaning on it like she's trying to get a sound out of it. <laughs> hammering away yeah this, this, this is a weird film because it, yeah it technically came out in 1989 but it looked like it could have been 1979 or something it's, it was so retro and uh, oh, yeah do you know I think a couple of weeks a couple of weeks ago we said um I mean, I remember saying that. Um, yeah, I, I like this film. It didn't make me angry. Well, okay, this is one of the this is one of these films that made me angry. Yes, angry in the sense that you're just marvelling at the frustration that they can't get it right. You know, like, why are you filming this shot? Where is the editor? Where is the cinematographer? Yeah. Why are you filming this? Why is this so terrible? And most importantly, like you said at the beginning, why is this action film so boring? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. And, you know, there's a, there's another piece to this puzzle, and it, it revolves around the leading man, the leading man being Frank Stallone, brother of <laughs> Sylvester, who is not really in this film. Just like we said with Cameron Mitchell earlier, he is clearly delivering lines to someone off camera so they can then cut around him. And when he's sneaking through the base, the terror, sorry, bean factory, he's, um, he's on his own all the time. He's just <laughs> shuffling around eating bean with a gun, eating bean. He tries a little bean. Ooh, that's nice. And then moves on. Um, yeah, it's, it's clearly, again, we've got him and we can only get him on the first Thursday in May. And everyone else is free in March, so they just snipped it all together. Yeah, and uh, and unfortunately, obviously, uh, Frank Stallone's and Cameron Mitchell's diaries did not overlap because no, they were in a scene. But their together. scenes did. Yeah, <laughs> they were in a scene together, but they weren't in that scene together. No, no, they were clearly just you know 
mouthing off at each other at some poor runner who was just off camera. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about the product placement? Well, you know, after watching that, I could really go for a refreshing Pepsi. <laughs> yeah, there was Pepsi everywhere. Yeah, and in that properly logo is face to the screen way. Yeah, <laughs> not oh, th- not subtle at oh, all. No, there was one. There was one shot which started on a close up of the Pepsi can and then zoomed back <laughs> to see yes. the other the other actors. Um, and in fact, we we looked at the credits, and I think Mr. Brown of Pepsi Cola Limited is thanked right at the bottom. Yes, <gasps> I've got no problem with product placement. You know, it pays the bills and it and it chips away at the budget, which is great. But when you focus in on it and zoom out, it's just so cringeworthy. So yeah, cringeworthy. Well, okay, well that makes me even more angry because someone got paid to make that film from Pepsi and. If it had been a decent film, whatever. But somebody got paid to make that atrocious dross, and I'm angry. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even get a reprieve at the end, because every 80s action film has a good blast of martial arts in it. There's a little martial arts sequence at the beginning, which is reasonably entertaining, but they deliberately put Frank Stallone in a mask, so it doesn't have to be him. (laughs) But then at the end, there's a karate showdown, and... And Jay, I don't want to delve too much into your personal life, but I know you studied karate for a number of years as a as a teenager, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm no Steve Zagal, but yes, I know no. I know a karate move when I see one. And yeah, okay, and the, the, yeah, the the first thing you're talking about, yeah, they did cut in the dojo at the beginning. They did cut to lots of feet, so obviously someone didn't know how to really film it. But there were some karate moves, and then you think, right, this is the climax of the film, by the way. When the two yep. uh, main, in inverted commas, characters face off with each other, and it is the most shoddy, dimly lit, poorly executed, plodding fight scene I have ever seen. It was awful. Yep. No karate, no kicks, no leaps, no... Uh, it, it was like, and you couldn't even see it. It was so dark. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but then all they did was punch each other in the face for about a minute. Yeah, it was like... And t- oh. they took it in turns. Punch, 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 punch. Uh, and Frank Stone had this weird open-handed stance where he looked like some sort of like crustacean. It was, it was bizarre. Wow. Clearly a branch of karate you never studied. Obviously, yeah. What a shame that was. So, I guess, wrapping up, Jay, Terror in Beverly Hills. Yes. Would you recommend someone see it? Uh, Now, I want you to be really listening intently to, to what I'm about to say here, okay? Because I want to get this across clearly. Absolutely, indefatigably, no. Yeah, I have to agree. There's there's nothing to recommend it. It's rubbish. Yeah. It's, it's like it's a bad film. <laughs> I mean, it, but it, do you know what? It shows you, doesn't it, what a, a varied buffet bad films can be. 
And uh, do you know what? I'm glad we watched it. Firstly, now that it's out of my life, I'd never have to think about it ever again. <laughs> and and secondly, it will make us appreciate the next entertaining terrible film, uh, because Terror in Beverly Hills was terrible. Mm, that indeed was the terror of the title. Yeah. There you go. So, okay, Jay. Well, thanks for your time this week. I'm glad we've got that behind us and I'll catch you next time. Yes. See you soon.